We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All systems are good. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van All right, here we go, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on Insight. I'm Chris Van Vliet. Thank you so much for being with us on this one. And for a lot of you, you know who I'm talking about. You're with us on every episode, whether it's a wrestler, an actor, a comedian, entrepreneur, FBI negotiator, astrophysicist, whatever the case may be, I appreciate you being on this journey with me. Today, we are joined by a wrestler and one who's been all over the world. You've seen Bobby Fish most recently in MLW and also in AEW where he had a TNT championship match against Sammy Guevara. You can give him a follow on Twitter and Instagram if you don't already. He's at the Bobby Fish. And if you're not following me already, it's just at Chris Van Vliet. And if you happen to have TikTok, Chris.VanVleet, as I throw the occasional video up there on TikTok. Also, could you check right now to make sure that you're subscribed to the show wherever you're listening? And speaking of subscribing, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel yet, we are so close to hitting 300,000 subscribers on there. We're just a few hundred away. So your subscription would go a very, very long way. And of course, of course, it's free. Not like some other people who have Patreons and charge for things. And that's fine. I'm just saying it's absolutely free to support the show, to support the YouTube channel. Kind of like this from Darius Carlisle. He's our fan of the week. He says, an amazing must-listen podcast. Thank you so much for what you do here in your podcast. It's been a great inspiration for me as I've been taking the steps necessary to follow my passion for fitness and bodybuilding. I'm very grateful there's people in the world like you. Wow. Well, super grateful for you, Darius. Thank you so much for leaving that review on Apple Podcasts. And I read one out on every episode. So please just leave a few words on there and I will shout you out. All right, let's get right into this thing. Please welcome Bobby Fish. Bobby, it's it's good to see you again. Yeah, man, you too. Uh, what do I got going on on here? <laughs> oh, it's like telling you, like, yes, this is being recorded. You yeah, know, like oh, a legal thing here. <laughs> I got it. We, no you know, we were just spending the last 10 minutes uh, doing errands in your house. I appreciate you taking us along for that. <laughs> I'm a multitasker. I'm and, and, 
And if any point during this conversation you need need to do things, just pick us up and you know, bring us along for that. Sure. I mean, that's the uh, power we have in technology, right? Yeah. Well, not only are we not even in the same place right now, we're not even in the same time zone. It's amazing how technology has allowed us to be able to do this. Yeah. It's like, uh, wow, I'm going to really date myself with this reference. But uh, it's like Star Trek, it's <laughs> which I don't even know from my generation. It was my sister's generation. My sister and I are 15 years apart. So uh, she was you know, in charge of me a lot of times and, uh, she would watch Star Trek. So I have uh, vague memories of Star Trek when I was, uh, a wee boy. Remember, remember, wee Dick, lad. remember when Dick Tracy would talk to people on his watch phone Yes. and we were like, man, that is the future. <laughs> yeah. And now here it is. Look at us now. What are, what are we drinking mm-hmm. here, by the way? Some cold brew. Nice. I, I'm just drinking water over here. Okay. I got a, a water over there as well. I, I go back and forth. Okay. Mixing it up. It, it was so nice to meet you. That's like two weeks ago. It was so nice to meet you yes, in um, yeah, yeah, Pennsylvania you well. there. And now you're getting ready to uh, debut at MLW. And uh, how, how are you mm-hmm. feeling about the MLW debut? Uh, I'm excited. You know, it's a, uh, it's a, uh, uh, interesting place to uh to get back out there um on the indie scene and and kind of doing um doing this thing freehand freehand as in like what you get to call your own shots here is that what you mean um yeah i suppose i mean it's just uh you know you um when you spend a, a good amount of time in this this business you uh experience where places every place is different you know and uh no place is better nor worse just different i feel and um you know certainly different getting back into the swing of of things where i am now and and with a place like mlw and you're pretty familiar with a lot of people on the roster there right uh yeah yeah very much um and then looking at the opera cup um yeah for sure, like the people that have been announced, um, there's a few that I don't, I am not familiar with, and then there's a few that I am. So when you look at the roster, who are you like? Oh my god, I can't wait to get in there and mix it up with them. Um, Tom Lawler and I have some history uh, on both sides of the fence, so uh, it's always interesting uh, to me to get in there with Tom. Um, he was either my second to last or my last independent match before leaving for NXT. Um, I want to say it was the last one, literally the last one. Um, if not close to it, uh, but yeah, uh, not knowing when I'd mix it up with Tom again and Tom at the time, I think was just coming off the tail end of, of finishing out some um, maybe UFC contract stuff um, and was getting back into pro wrestling. I don't think he was as um, enveloped as he is now. And so uh, to think that things have come a little bit full circle in the past four years and now yeah. I might be uh, tying up with Tom again, that, that's exciting. That'd be cool. Have you worked Matt Cross before? Uh, yeah, he's another one. So oddly enough, right before going to NXT, it was again, another one of the last independent matches that we did. 
Kyle and I, who towards the tail end of our Ring of Honor run, we didn't tag there uh, for, I think, over a year. Um, we came back together on a few independent bookings before we went to NXT tagging. And we tagged at a place in Seattle called Defy Wrestling. It was actually a really, really cool show um, against Matt Cross and Darby Allen. A wow. young, a young Darby Allen. Not that he's old now, but like yeah. he was just kind of getting out there. You know, I I didn't know him in in until that booking, and um, yeah, it was a fun match. And uh, to see what he's done now, and obviously Matt Cross is is Matt Cross. You know? I, I've I've known him for years. That guy, I can't even believe some of the things that guy can do. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. He's a video game. <laughs> he is a video game. Yeah, I think people are really familiar with a lot of your work recently as part of a tag team, and that's obviously mm -hmm. shifting now. So, how does your approach to it change? Um, I I think it's like you know you get your bearings. Um, you got to give yourself that time. Uh, but I think when you've done it this long, like transitioning between the two, I don't want to say is easy, but it you know it's going to happen you just got to be patient with it sometimes um they both have uh pros and cons to them it's like anything else um but like i said they towards the end of our our uh, ring of honor run kyle and i really kind of stopped tagging so i did mostly singles and then transitioning into nxt it turned into a couple of years of, of mostly tagging. And then, uh, you know, who, who, I don't even know how to categorize the, the tail, the very tail end of, of, um, where I was. Um, but now I'm back to uh, kind of a singles route and, uh, I'm excited about it. Yeah. How do you categorize the time you spent in NXT just as a whole? Uh, as a whole, I mean, that was, uh, certainly highlight of one of the highlights of my career, you know, um, to uh, obviously, you know, the Tokyo Dome and, and New Japan stuff was, were highlights as well. So like, I don't, I don't rank anything above or below others necessarily, but like debuting in the Barclay center, standing literally next to two of my best friends and getting that sort of reaction that is now somewhat, um, estranged to us because of the the you know lack of crowds and whatnot recently um but there's that and then as a whole um i think when we found out that it was going to be adam kyle and i um we were kind of that was wwe that was nxt's um idea uh so was like kind of waiting for somebody to come into the room and go ah we're just screwing <laughs> with you um so from that point all the way through to like when they added roddy to the mix with us who you know at the time if they had suggested anybody but roddy we probably would have been like mm. so it was just uh kind of serendipitous and and it being four like legitimate close friends mm. made it like not really going to work it, it even when we were we were running hard and we were kind of the workhorses of of nxt at one point i i will say wholeheartedly uh with confidence it, 
we loved it because it was what we went there to be. And it wasn't hard because you were just hanging out with your buddies. Yeah. Didn't seem real. Were those three guys, the guys that you always traveled with too? Um, yeah, I mean, we were, we were kind of, uh, in and out with one another because we all went, uh, slightly different places with our careers. But once we, once the four of us were in ring of honor together, and then we started doing a lot of, uh, new Japan stuff, uh, especially Kyle and I, um, and then Adam would be thrown into the mix here and there with new Japan, um, Roddy before, you know, until he left to go to NXT because he went to NXT before the rest of us. He was probably there about a year, I believe. Um, but we, the, you know, the four of us had just crossed paths so many times mm. and had such similar uh, journeys that there, it was just, you know, there are definitely three guys that I could relate to on a level that um, I can't everybody else, you know? Yeah. So when you signed with NXT, were you assuming that, you know, that was, maybe the place that you would end your career? Um, yeah. I mean, I was trying to be just present with it and not think too far ahead because there was definitely a time in my career, um, where I thought, you know, but the standards that were believed to be required in WWE, uh, you know, would have ruled me out at that point, um, in working underneath the Are WWE. You're talking about this, the size requirements perhaps. Um, among other things. Yeah. So I don't know that I was, you know, I, let's just put it this way. I'm far from the prototype. And, um, you know, at that point in my life, let's say even further from the prototype. Mm-hmm. So to get the opportunity that I got, um, for triple H and Shawn Michaels to, roll the dice on, on us and, and give us an opportunity to, to end up in this group that was compared to DX and the horsemen and let, just, it's like, it doesn't get any more humbling. Yeah. Know? And yeah. some of the best entrance music ever, I think. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing to look back how, how those things kind of come together. And if you really tried, like to plot it out and plan it, it, it wouldn't work. Like even the, you know, the hand gesture and blah, blah, blah. It was like, yeah, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting the way that that stuff happens, especially with, with pro wrestling only in pro. And the fact that Adam Cole turned, you know, that one part in the song into his, like, you know, his gesture, like, yeah. Do you remember him saying to you, all right, Bobby, I'm going to do this boom thing. Uh, (laughs) no it was uh it was all like the whole thing we were we were feeling it out as we went and the music i think anytime you get music you're kind of married to your previous music like i know for for us when they when they gave us that as a group i kept thinking about the music that cole came out to and then i kept thinking about the music that kyle and i came out to as red dragon and they were very different from one another and very Mm -hmm. different from what they were proposing so it was like man how are we gonna make this work and uh ideas got kicked around and boom was was one of them and it ended up sticking and uh i think we each 
individually found our groove on the entrance and then somehow it all just kind of came together. And then I don't know, like the thing that happened in the ring didn't really, I don't think really came together fully until Roddy was added. So yeah, it's, it's interesting how step-by-step. Yeah. It's hard, I guess, for you to look at this objectively, but where Mm -hmm. do you rank the undisputed era in in all the great factions in wrestling i don't know I, I i can only say that like every time i've ever seen a mention of us with the horsemen it it's mind-boggling to me because i watch like the crockett years in wcw or nwa whatever you want to call it. that's that's the pro wrestling that like truly turned me like rabid, you know, there was, and, and there, there was definitely WWF. Like, I mean, who was not a Hulkamaniac? Um, I was a big British Bulldogs fan. I'd say Ricky Steamboat when he was doing kind of the ninja gimmick in WWF was what really got me into pro wrestling. But I remember a teenager as a teenager, like, the horseman stuff and the war games and that being so um, like just really capturing my imagination so much to then become a group with three of my best friends that like rivaled to some people that, and then we are the kind of catalyst that, that war games like Hunter was, because I know that Hunter obviously loved the war games and stuff too, and wanted to bring it back for a long time, and that he trusted us to be those guys, you know, is again just humbling to me, and I'm I'm grateful for it. Like, because in the history books, it'll always be at the next incarnation of of the war games. We were synonymous with that, you know. We were in all four of them, so it's yeah, career. One of the career highlights, obviously. With all of these legendary names that you just threw out at us, like those are some of the best of all time. When when you were growing up, you were watching wrestling, but at what point did it start to click to you? They're like, oh, I might be able to actually do this for a living. I don't think it ever did when I was a kid, not even a little. It wasn't really like I, uh, growing up, I was way into martial arts. And then uh, I got really into football in high school going into college and that's all i cared about i just i wanted to play uh major college football um i didn't end up you know making uh i I wanted to play division one a college football and i I made it to a one double a school um i played out my years uh enjoyed it um not quite at the level that I, I had seen for myself, but it, you know, it is what it is. And when that was kind of coming to an end, I had a college degree. I was trying to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do with a bachelor's in English? And, uh, I don't, I, you know, I do remember, but it's a story maybe for another time. Um, but the, the pro wrestling thing, I don't know. It, it kind of ended up on the radar. And then once I got a, a year or so into it, um, I was like, okay, I know I, I really kind of enjoy this mm. to see where it goes. And then I think the first thing that made me look at it and go, okay, maybe you can do this 
for a living was when I got brought over to Japan for the first time by pro wrestling Noah. And that was about five years in. Um, and I wasn't making a living on pro wrestling at that point. I was still working other jobs, but you know, for somebody to fly you to another country I was, yeah, and pay you and pay me. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was like, okay. I mean, maybe I'm not too bad at this. What position were you playing in football? Um, I played like growing up, I played uh running back linebacker and then into junior college in an effort to try to get recruited by a bigger school. I moved to strong safety. Um, and then when I ended up at a one double school, I went back to linebacker because uh, the school I was playing at, like you could get away with, I guess I could get away with being a little bit undersized. And that's what the team I was playing on uh, needed, needed a linebacker. And um, were so you close at all to getting drafted or being invited to like the combine or anything? No, no, there was a, a, a guy on my team, Reggie green, uh, who was a, just a, out of this world, uh, running back, he got some NFL attention. Um, you know, I did what, what the writing on the wall for me became, cause I just, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to continue to play football. And so I worked out for two different arena teams. Arena football was a thing at the time. Yeah. And, uh, when I didn't make either of those teams, um, it was kind of a, you know, a turning point. Um, because I don't know necessarily that I wasn't good enough to make those teams. Uh, but I was the way that the arena football game shrunk the outdoor game. It really took away some of the things that I did well, and then focused on some of the stuff that I might've struggled with. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, apples and oranges, who, who knows, but it was clear to me that like, okay, I'm not going to make a living playing football. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to figure out what I was going to do for a living. And, um, I don't know. Every time I flirted with something that felt like nine to five, it didn't feel right. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now that you're at this stage of your career, perhaps with more years of wrestling behind you than in front of you, do you For think sure. about what might be next? Are you going to put that English degree to, to good use? I don't, I don't know. You know, I really, I, I, I don't know. Um, I think right now it's like such a transitional period. Uh, and I, I'm still going to wrestle. Uh, we'll see how much longer. You know, and, and we'll see where the the chips fall from there. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. I mean, I definitely don't want to want to bump forever. <laughs> I don't know if you can bump forever. That's the thing. You can, no, and that's the truth is you cannot. Like when you get out of bed right now, what hurts on you? I guess it depends on the day, you know, <laughs> and, um, and how uh, recently you've wrestled. Yeah, I mean. I don't know. Sometimes I think I'm just in denial because I just feel abnormally good. And I feel like uh, maybe I shouldn't. Hey, you look great. I mean, there's no, no reason you can't it. wrestle another five, <laughs> 10 years. I don't. Yeah. And, you know, I don't even know if that's the timetable I, I wish for, you know, mm-hmm. I just know that like right now I'm still motivated to do it. Um, and I'm just trying to be present with it. And, uh, make my decisions from that place as opposed to trying to predict the future and know yeah. what's to come and blah, blah, blah. Cause you, you just don't. Yeah. Why did you feel that MLW was such a great fit for you right now? Um, I don't, the opportunity presented itself and, um, it just made the more we talked about it, the more it seemed to make sense. And, mm-hmm. um, having an opportunity with this, uh, I think it caters to my style. Um, there were some interesting matchups already if I looked at them on the surface. And, uh, so yeah, um, just made sense. Yeah. And, and it's, it is, I mean, we've already said a couple of the matches, but when you look at the entire roster, I feel like Bobby fish could have a great match with pretty much anyone there. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'd like to think, I could have a, a great match with, uh, with anybody. It always helps when you have good, uh, a good counterpart, yeah. you know, but, uh, yeah. So to look up and down that roster and see the talent, like it's, um, it's encouraging and, and it's exciting and, uh, it, you know, kind of gets you, get you motivated. By the way, Bobby fish is a fantastic name. <laughs> you gotta thank, I'll thank my parents for that. Were you, were you always Bobby growing up or were you Robert, Rob, Bob? Like there's so many different variations of your name. Um, I was Bobby from the time I was a, like, I can remember the earliest. That's what my mother called me Bobby. And then as I got older and into high school, like I went through a little bit of an identity crisis where I wanted to be, you know, Bobby sounded like a kid. So I, um, insisted on being called Bob and then as I got out of high school and started going to college and like, I would have to introduce myself to people. I felt really kind of derpy to, to go, Oh, hi, my name's Bob. 
So I went back to Bobby. <laughs> Bob <laughs> Fish is Rob, pretty good too, though. Yeah, I guess I just Bob. You know, you spell it the same way, front and back. It just it's a palindrome. You know. It's amazing. <laughs> it was tough, so I went back to Bobby, and it's been Bobby ever since. I mean, that's really what I'm comfortable with. And ironically enough, that's what my mom always called me. So, but there must be wrestling fans that think that your real last name isn't Fish. Yeah. Uh, for sure, or somebody is looking for like the gimmick to be attached to it, and there really, you know, there isn't one. You know, I I don't come out looking like the Gordon's fisherman or anything. Uh, <laughs> and really, that the way that that came about was when where no Noah had noticed me um, and recruited me to come in. They knew me as Bobby fish. Cause it was a Harley race camp was where they saw me. So yeah. I was just Bobby fish. And um, when I was going over there, the work visa and everything was set up for uh, my real name. So it, before I had even got there, it was advertised. So I had no choice, but at least there to go with my real name and then it didn't, you know, I figured Noah was the highest profile stuff I was doing. Possibly that would be the highest I, I, I did. So yeah. I just figured, well, I'm going to stick with it. You know, why confuse the audience and have multiple names if you can avoid it? I love that you brought up Harley Race because you know, that's who trained you. And I'm curious to know how much of what you do in the ring now is influenced by what you learned from him all those years ago. Well, so that that's um, Harley. Harley was somebody that after I had been working and trained, um, kind of polished uh, my time there. So Tony DeVito trained me originally um, from the Baldies. He, he worked in uh, ECW. He worked yep. in Ring of Honor. Um, he was who, who trained me. And, and I started working after being with Tony, I was probably, like I said, maybe five years in when, uh, I did a Harley camp and, uh, Noah started bringing me over at the time. Uh, I thought I was going over to train. And, uh, when I saw my itinerary and it was for three weeks and not three months, I, I couldn't make sense of it. And then I spoke to Harley and then, you know, nobody really had an answer. So I got over there. And when I got there, um, you know, much to my surprise, they were like, Oh no, you're wrestling tonight on Samurai TV in Corican Hall. Like you're having your first match <laughs> and, um, off to the races we went. And like most of the Japanese boys, you know, the way that they interpreted, they, you know, they were like, well, no, you, you were coming over to work. I guess it was just a miscommunication. Cause I never, from that day forward, I always went over there just as one of the working wrestlers. And, um, I didn't know that I was ready for that, you know? Mm. Um, and then, like I said, certainly. So then I would go back to Harley's, uh, each year for a few years that they would do the camp and, uh, work with Harley. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was awesome to get to, to spend time with, uh, such a legend and, and learn from him. And like I said, he really was, was one of the people that was able to polish up some of, I guess, what was, what was there. Do you think there's anything specific that you do in the ring now that is, you know, because of what Harley taught you? Um, I know there's one thing I don't do as often anymore. Um, <laughs> it was <laughs> something that I had remembered Harley saying, um, 
about his neck. And uh, I used to do a diving headbutt off the top rope um, all the time because I was a big Dynamite Kid fan. And uh, in Noah, God, I, I did it every opportunity I got. Um, and then started to get the neck pain myself. And there were things that Harley had said that, that kind of rung in my ears. And so I slowed down on doing that one in particular. And there were a couple of kind of spots that I would do it in, especially when Kyle and I were, were running hard with New Japan as Red Dragon. Um, we had a couple tag spots that, that were wrapped around the, the diving headbutt. So I would do it then, but only if you know, it was one of those instances. And I'd say it's kind of the same now. Like, yeah, I'll avoid it if I can. I don't, I feel like after 20 years in the business, I know how to go out and do my job without having to do a diving headbutt. <laughs> yeah. What would you say and, your style looked like before you went to Japan? Because I'm sure that being in Japan really influenced you a lot. It did for sure. Before going to Japan, I just don't think I had figured it out. You know, uh, I, I, Tony DeVito was uh, I couldn't have asked for a better teacher of the fundamentals and the little things. He, he was huge on some of the little things. So like, I think I had some polish before I was supposed to have polish just because of that. And, uh, it was almost by default. It was to no credit of my own. It just happened to be, um, but I think working for Noah, I was able to figure out, um, how to receive a lot because in the beginning, like, you know, you, you were there for a, a purpose, you know, and they, they had guys that were, you know, the, the people that they were the guys that people paid to come see. And, uh, you unbeknownst to me at the time, but you being able to take a licking and keep on ticking, so to speak, was what made you successful in the role that I was in you know, the younger foreign talent. And at that time, I didn't know this and I wouldn't have been able to tell you this, but I look back at it now and I realize, like, mm -hmm. oh, that's what it was. And that's really where I think um, I, I kind of learned to work was, was Noah. It's in, so interesting for you to say, like, that's five years into your career and saying, you know, you maybe hadn't quite figured it out yet because mm -hmm. like a lot of people do something for five years and think they're a master of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I just don't, I, I think it's kind of, um, the generation I came up in and, and even the generations that have come since, like they don't have the, the people I watched as a kid when the business was still what it was and somewhat protected and blah, blah, blah. Like there were teachers still working and they would go out and they would teach you on the fly. You know, um, I'll look at a guy like Fit Finley, who I was fortunate enough to interact with uh, working for NXT. And um, he was a guy that towards the tail end of his career, like he was doing something that, you know, there was not a lot of people capable of doing anymore is to like go out and teach. He did a run on the Indies too, where like, I mean, the people he crossed paths with, he gave them an invaluable lesson that, that really, I don't know. I mean, you could count on one hand, the guys that are capable or were capable at that time of, of giving what he gave. And I think that, you know, 
the generations that I watched coming up, there were a lot more of them that were able to pass that tradition on. And it just was a different form of work. Mm. And now that learning curve is different and it's, you know, and you can't resist it. It's just the way that things go. Everything has to evolve and and progress to what it's going to be. And, and change is inevitable. You're kind of in that role now though especially when you were in NXT working with a lot of young talent. Yeah. And I I thought that that was kind of uh, where I was headed and I was okay with that. And I was welcoming that. And I thought like, "Hmm, see where this transitions, you know, and, and fit was, was uh, his career path and the way that he was kind of doing stuff, you know, for what amounted to a couple of years time, I believe when he had gone back from that indie run, and back into WWE, like that was kind of where I, I saw myself headed and, and hoped to have a similar uh, grace in doing what I was doing at that time um, that fit had, you know, because that really inspired me. Um, but it wasn't in the cards, you know, that somebody had different plans and, you know, here we are. Yeah. How were you even informed that you were being let go? Um, a, you know, a phone call. Same as like, I think everybody gets that, you know, gets that one. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, just is what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, now you've got a lot of opportunities in front of you though. Yeah. And um, you know, that's the, that's the beauty of it is um, the opportunities that are there now and and figuring out what those, what ones um, are worth taking and, you know, see where it goes. I mean, speaking of opportunities, Adam Cole has a lot of opportunities in front of him in AEW. Yeah. Did you watch his debut? I did, for sure. I caught it. I was away, so I caught it a day later. But yeah, I did see it for sure. What did you think of the reaction that he got? Oh, it was incredible. You know, it was incredible. And, and uh, man, they, they're, hitting, they're hitting home runs there, you know? And, yeah. and it came at a, at a time with you know, with punk and, and Brian and, you know, they're, um, yeah. When, when you're making contact with almost every pitch, it just, you know, it's, it's a good time for them right now. And to see the smile on Adam's face, no, knowing him the way I do, knowing that it was real and genuine and, uh, I'm just happy for him, you know? Yeah. And you're right. They're hitting a lot of home runs right now, but the great thing is I've said this so many times, but rising tides lift all ships. And I feel like if AEW is succeeding, then everybody else can succeed as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a really interesting time and um, that you can't op- opportunity is, is what it is. It's, it's opportunity and you can, you're going to do something successful with it, or you're going to fall on your face and learn from that mistake. So either way, like it's progress. Yeah. You must be so excited to get in front of a crowd again, because it's a long time of wrestling with no crowd. Yeah. I mean, I, I can remember when we were running hard with the, the undisputed era stuff and we were doing takeovers and, you know, it was before all the COVID and everything like those takeovers, man. And they, I don't know. They were like anywhere from five to seven match cards. Um, they were electric and they were just some of the, you know, most intoxicating things I've done in my career. So, um, 
it's weird to think how long it's been since since the you know having a live reaction like like some of those were yeah then and how did you make the transition to it's basically like snap your fingers it went from a crowd to no crowd and you guys just had to figure it out Mm. so much of what you do in the ring is feeding off of the crowd and figuring it out as you go how did you make that transition no, I don't know if I ever did. <laughs> like, I'm very much a live audience guy because I can't shut up, and it's to the point of annoyance. I know my 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 girlfriend hates the sound of my voice a lot of times, <laughs> and I know other people in wrestling have mentioned it. Like, I hear your voice for some reason over other people's when you're yelling at whether it be a ref or the other team or a, a, a audience member. And I've always kind of relished those opportunities to engage with the, the two or three people ringside. And, you know, it's almost like a little Easter egg for them that, that not everybody gets or like just the interaction. And I like that back and forth and sometimes it gets hostile. And, mm. but you know, uh, I think it's, um, it's all part of it and it's interactive and that's, what's cool about wrestling is it's, kind of like a movie but not a movie because you can interact well in a normal time with a crowd when you're yelling at all these other people we can't really hear it as the audience at home it just kind of looks like you know you're you're getting animated when there was no crowd we heard every single word you guys were saying yeah 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 so i mean again it's like it just just different everything and you know it's it's been some change for sure yeah, but it's like change is not a bad thing, though. Change is a good thing. No, no, I I, I agree. Um, you know, it, it'll be nice to get back to the live crowd, um, assuming that everybody you know can still be safe and all. Like, I mean, this is <laughs> this flirts with a whole nother conversation, but um, yeah, I mean, getting back to the live crowd is is really uh, I I can't think of anything better. Um, but with all of the, uh, you, you can't help but be a little apprehensive with all the, the BS that's out there. Sure. You know, so like what, what is what in this world at this point? I don't even know what to believe. Yeah. When you look at your career as a whole, Bobby, what's like something that you think you want to do that you still ha- maybe haven't done yet? Um, I don't know. I mean, at, at this point, I feel like I've checked a lot of the boxes that I wanted to check and then checked some boxes that I didn't think I'd have an opportunity to check. Mm -hmm. So at this point, um, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. Mm. Um, and then if I'm enjoying what I'm doing, I think there's a better chance of me figuring out what I would like to do next. Um, than if I'm not enjoying it and I'm just doing it because it's, you know, like riding a bike. Yeah. So I, I hope that this, this one now, um, I plan to make it, you know, as enjoyable as I can and then keep my eyes open and be aware of, of, uh, what it kind of kicks up. Have you always been able to live in the present and enjoy the moment? Because I mean, that's something that's very commendable to be able to say, like, you're in this moment right now and you're going to appreciate it for what it is. Um, no, I struggle endlessly with it. I'll be completely honest. I have, uh, I don't know, man. I, I, I really, my girlfriend could tell you, I, 
get so stuck in my head. So uh, some of it, it, you know, you say commendable, but it's like, I'm working at it every day myself. So I'm, I'm far from there. I just know that that's what I'm trying to do. But talking about it, I think is, and then maybe it holds you accountable to it. I think that that's definitely a step in the right direction. Maybe. Yeah. It's just a matter of getting that, you know, one foot in front of the other and uh, staying committed to it and having faith in it. And, you know, when the, when the waters get a little rough, you know, still, still believing in the fact that like, you know, he's got a plan. Yeah. He's working it out. Uh, yeah. You, you, that's what faith is, is that you trust him. You trust in something. Mm-hmm. You know? So when I saw you a few weeks ago, it was an autograph signing and there was all kinds of fans there. What's the one thing that most fans want to ask you about? Um, you get a lot of undisputed era stuff. I got a lot of requests to do the hand signal. Um, I tell them they can do it. I won't. But you do don't it. do it anymore. No, I don't do it. I don't. And I honestly, like, I don't have a, a yes or no answer for legally on it. I just know that it's a gray area and I'll just stay away from it. Just <laughs> but if you're, standing, if you're standing next to somebody who's doing it, that's okay. I think so. I would assume so. <laughs> It's a hand gesture. You can't trademark. Can you trademark a hand gesture? I listen. (laughs) They got a lot more legal uh, brain power going uh, on that end than I do. So if it's uh, if it were to be a point of contention, I'm not winning. So I'll just stay away. (laughs) They they have more expensive lawyers than you do. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, they sure do. Bobby, I'm so excited to see you back in the ring. I think MLW is, is such a, a great fit for you. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens with the Opera Cup. Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. I what end every interview with the same questions. So I'm going to ask it of you. And you mentioned being grateful earlier. What are three things in your life that you're grateful for right now? Um, grateful for my kids and their health. Uh, including my stepdaughter and my girlfriend, um, my two daughters, Madison and Britton, who, who live in New York. Um, I'm grateful for the opportunity um, to go back to work and, and, and make a living. And, uh, and I'm grateful, you know, for this morning, for the fact that I opened my eyes and got to see the sun and, um, live another day because man you you don't know you really don't know yeah grateful for you thank you so much for this bobby no thank you i, I really appreciate it it's been yeah, good, and uh, good i look chat. forward to seeing you again in person whenever that might be yes sir you never know this business you're always crossing paths this is true all right thank you so much yes sir thank you chris Well, there you have it, my friend. Thank you to Bobby Fish for joining us on this one. And thank you, of course, to you for listening and for listening all the way until the end right now. Because without you, there's no show. It's just me here in my bedroom with the door closed behind me. I don't know why I slammed it as a demonstration, but that's how close I am standing to the door. But yeah, without you, 
there's no show. So thank you so much for being part of this and for being the best part of this. Take a screenshot. Let us know what stood out for you the most from this episode and share it with a friend. Tag us. Bobby is at the Bobby Fish. I'm at Chris Van Vliet. And I'll leave you with the words of the great George S. Patton, who said, a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Be great. Be grateful. We'll see you on the next one for some more insight. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.